Today's podcast is sponsored by Al and Dean's Artifact Shop. Al and Dean's stocks a wide range of the finest artifacts from enchanted swords to magic lamps. This week only they have a two-for-one offer on Excaliburs, Moliniers and Grails. Get on down to Alan Dean's for excellent deals on Elven Stars, Stormbreakers and Arkinstones. <sighs> I bought a Palantir from them last month. It turns out that you also have to fork out for a 12-month subscription, or they're just useless glass balls. Alan Dean. Alan Dean. That sounds oddly familiar. Hello, 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 and welcome to Morris's unofficial tabletop RPG news. As always, I am Rust, aka Morris. With me is my effervescent and iridescent companion, Peter Coffey. Hello, Peter Coffey from the Southampton Guild of Roleplayers, here today for yet another exciting podcast where we bring you all the RPG news and talk. And we have a guest this week. Uh, we do. We do. It's, it's super exciting. I'm excited. Are you excited? Yeah. Yeah, he's right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, all the way from the US of A, we've got uh, Wax Stephen. Can I call you Wax? Hey, hey, how's it going? Welcome, <laughs> welcome to 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 my to my domain of Zoom here. Welcome. I have dragged them kicking and screaming uh, over to a different application for the meeting today because nothing was working. Yeah, uh, we have no idea what we're doing. So, do you want to just quickly? There, there were technical teething difficulties. We resolved it with only minor bloodshed and the sacrifice of three CCs of mouth blood. Do you want to just quickly tell people who you are, Wack? Yeah, sure. So I am a, uh, I guess I'm, I guess I'm a professional dungeon master for all intents and purposes these days. I am a member of a group called uh, Table Story. Uh, We create role-playing shows and content for live streaming. Um, So uh, before we get any further into the streaming stuff, um, what's caught your eye this week, Peter? Oh, um... It's a bit of an oldie, but quite a goodie. There's a site called uh, criticalhits.com, and they have a series of articles called Dungeonomics, mm. uh, written by a lady called Multiplexer. It's absolutely fantastic. What it is, is they take a standard trope from, say, D&D or Shadowrun, and then they explore the economic ramifications. So if you're moving a data center across country, but you can't afford to have it go through the go through the fiber optics because people can intercept it, you pack a whole data center on. What, what What's going to happen if you do that? What's the, vent, the adventure seeds that come out of that? Or if you have flying castles, uh, you follow it through from the creation of flying castles, how they affect trade routes, empire building, if you have your flying castles in the wrong place. Or one of my particular favorites is, so traditionally with monarchies, they become very vulnerable when power passes from uh, king to heir. Mm. But in Dungeons and Dragons, we have raised debt. That we do. That we do. So why would any of your monarchs actually die? And it looks at uh, what would happen there and uh, the various things. I found that quite interesting. I've done my own little bit of role build, uh, world building as a result of it, uh, which I call the Necrochi of the Feathered Serpent. Which that, is nothing that is else a good awesome question, though. Why would any D&D monarch die? Precisely. Why, no. would he, why would he not just be raised straight away? Run out of diamonds error. Or has annoyed the wrong people. It's a continuity error, that is. It is a continuity error. I think someone should write to Mike Mills right now. (laughs) Okay, I'll get on it. Yeah, um, so, yeah, it sounds a bit bit sort of like, um, you know, Freakonomics. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It sounds like a D&D version of that. Yeah, but it's uh, based on more dungeons. Yeah. And like I say, they don't just do D&D, they do uh, Shadowrun as well. And uh, I found it very interesting. The Adventurous Cartel, the Transmuter Guild of Bankers, because you get as much gold as you want if you're Transmuter. I guess. You do. Anyway, what's caught your eye, mate? Me? Me? Oh, well, have you heard of this little thing called um, Critical Role? Oh, Critical Role. Does that ring any bells with you, Wax, even? Well, considering that I mentioned it previously, I think it would be yes. Ah, All right. Oh. Have you heard of this place called London? Yes, yes. yes you have heard of it's London. It's in Alabama. Yeah. <laughs> Unless, but well, I presume because Critical Role's in America, why would I know? Well, there's about actually there's actually there's one several. In Canada, isn't there? Yeah, there's there's actually a few Londons in the U.S. So yeah, there's a lot of Londons all over the place. Wow, it's like London's had lots of little babies. Yes. Anyway, Critical Role are coming to London, as in the London, ah, uh, in October. So the whole the whole crew, that's uh, Matt Mercer, Marisha Ray, and uh, the whole crew, um, they're all coming over to the London MCM show at the XL, Ooh. which is, uh, where are we, October the 27th. Basically, it's the London Comic Con yes. type thing. It's not as big as the US ones, but it's... Uh, it's I've been to it a couple of times before. Yeah, yeah. It's kind of fun. Yeah, anyway, yeah, so Critical Role coming to London um, in October. How exciting. I'm planning on going to that. You coming to that? Uh, if I get if I get a chance, I'm surprised they've still got any tickets. Uh, I think they've only just gone on sale, to be fair. Ooh. Well, so if we grab them quick, we can go. Yes, uh, and if you're listening to this on Wednesday, which we hope you are, then if you move quickly, you may still have a chance. Yes. Uh, <laughs> well, what about you, Wack? What's caught your eye this week? Uh, I, it's probably the new uh, module that's been released for Dungeons and Dragons Fifth mm-hmm. Edition, the Waterdeep Dragon Heist thing. Mm. I've seen a lot of really positive reviews coming out for it. Mm. It looks really interesting. Mm-hmm. I wish I had time to play it. Uh, it's difficult for me to really get into modules because they do take a while. I yeah, mean, I yeah. think that's a it's it's an interesting thing. They just, they come out so frequently, but like does anyone actually is anyone actually able to finish one before the next one comes out? I I've, I've only finished one and that was Strahd. That's oh, the only yeah. one I've, I've done. I finished Curse of Strahd as well. Uh, that was a show that I had, and uh, that took us a good year. Um, yeah, yeah it, t- yeah, it took us a good nine months, tabletop. It was, yeah, it was a lot. Oh, I'm feeling embarrassed now. Why? We did it in 24 hours. No, it, you didn't. No, we did. 24 hours? Yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> How did that happen? The, the, the GM running for us probably had missed really most of it times, And he did quite a lot of editing, and I think there was a lot less random encounters. Hmm. It, we just kept on with the plot. And also we were we were fairly focused. We'd built for the module, but yeah, we we just we just went through it. It was great. All right. Wow. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm 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 pretty interested in it. I've done a campaign like an urban campaign in Waterdeep before, mm. mm-hmm. and there's a lot of resources available for Waterdeep because it's mm-hmm. the most popular. I think maybe Neverwinter might be a contender. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, but uh, it, it's. You know, it's got a lot of resources available. It's a very interesting place. There's a lot of things going on, a lot of cool intrigue and stuff. So I'm in general, I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty curious to have, see have how it's all built through out. The, uh, through the adventure yet? I haven't. No, no, no. I, I haven't purchased it. Oh right, okay. It's, but uh, it's, I, I've been it's, reading it's, a lot of I, things about it. It's worth it. It is good. Yeah, yeah. We, we did quite an extensive review of it in our last podcast. So if you want yeah. to know more about it, spoiler free, as close as I could get it, then uh, that's a that's a good one to listen to. Well, I would say it's my favorite. Uh, second favorite, sorry, of oh. the um, fifth edition modules. So, uh, Strahd is number one. Mm-hmm. Then I think it's this. Yeah. Then I think it's Out of the Abyss. I like that one. 
Mm-hmm. Anyway, shall we do the news? Yes, this will be an exciting opportunity for you to listen to the news. All the news in role-playing. Well, some, of the, some of the news in role-playing. Okay, fine. Some, some. I was promised all of the news in role-playing. All of it. Oh, wow. Go. Oh, all right, okay. And all all the of news it. you shall have. All of it, starting now. <laughs> okay, so Wizards yes. of the Coast. Yes. You've heard of them. Um, they um, they want you to help shape D&D. Oh, that's nice. There's a big, big survey on their website. Feature and more Dungeons and When I say big, I mean big. I, I started to take it. Yes. And um, sort of half an hour later, I'm still there clicking through all these different questions and stuff. It's a really, really big, big, long survey. In-depth conference, if you yeah, say. Yeah, basically, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, um, I did it as well. Yeah, you've done really? it too, yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. uh, they're basically looking at what people like about D&D, how they uh, get into D&D, where they heard about D&D, <laughs> what their sort of first experiences with D&D were, oh. uh, what they want to see more of, all that sort of stuff. So if you head on over there, we'll put the link in the show notes. Yes, It's brilliant. a really good opportunity to sort of help shape where sort of wizards go on a sort of more long-term basis. That sounds absolutely amazing. Well, amazing is a strong word. Yeah, it sounds like a strong. It's, I mean, it's a it's a survey. It's a survey. It's only so amazing. Okay, fine, fine, fine. Go on, get over it. <laughs> so, uh, staying on D and D, D is going to the Barrier Peaks. Okay. Uh, are you familiar with the Barrier Peaks? That's a no from me. Okay then. So expedition to the Barrier Peaks. Yes. It was an uh, I, yeah, I don't know what it, uh, I yeah. don't know what it is. Well, you're about to find out. Ah, how exciting! Expedition to the Barrier Peaks. So it was a AD and D first edition adventure by Gary Gygax. Okay. Um, back in 1980, I think, and um, it was kind of the first time that sort of science fiction mm-hmm. interacted with D and D. So the setting um, mm-hmm. is, is, is kind of a dungeon call, but the setting yeah. is a crashed spaceship. Um, so you've got all these robots, blaster rifles, and all this sort of stuff. A karate robot as well, which is kind of fun. Of course. Sure, this is a storm jammer. <laughs> uh, oh, this, jammer. Is, this is years before spell jammer. This yeah, is, yeah. Um, long, long before that. Um, yeah, so it's like the first time sort of uh, D&D and science fiction kind of mixed. Mm. And it was kind of a fun kind of thing. It was, um, you know, it was a bit, it was a bit out there for the mm-hmm. time. Uh, Wizard of the Coast, um, they do this extra life charity thing every year, which is a children's hospital charity. Often they do these big sort of long 24-hour live streams and um, they mm-hmm. do contests and all sorts of different things. Um, well, this year it looks like they're recreating the Barrier Peaks mm-hmm. and the Barrier Peak Adventures because they're asking for uh, fan-submitted rumours based around the uh, famed Barrier Peaks. Um, they say, who can say what's true or false? But what strange rumours circulate around local taverns about these mysterious mountains in 150 words or less? Mm. So it sounds like they are putting together an adventure. They say it's going to go on the DM's Guild and um, on Dragon Plus, which is their mm. electronic magazine which covers D&D in all its different forms. Okay. And uh, it looks like coming in the next few months, we're going to get another expedition to the Barrier Peaks. <gasps> Ooh. That sounds very exciting. exciting. And that yeah. is news. There you go. I told you there was news. Start doing D&D nice. on board a crash spaceship. Can't mm. ask for better than that now, can you? Well, actually, it might not be a crash spaceship. But there might be something even more exciting in there. I'm curious to see how it's going to be with, I'm assuming, characters that don't understand this technology mm-hmm. um, well, like, venturing forth well, onto the spaceship. Well, I guess it's just indistinguishable from magic, isn't it? Uh, old officer. What's, what's the difference between a ray gun and a, a wand that shoots a disintegration right. ray at you? It's... Right. Yeah, it's the same thing. Easier to use trigger. Perception. Yeah. yeah. Also, uh, we're sticking with D&D for the moment. Unearthed Arcana. 
yes. which is playtest material that they release for D&D once every month, mm-hmm. um, is covering uh, Dragon Marks from mm. Eberron. Yes, I've heard of Dragon Marks, but I'm not 100% what they are. Um, so a Dragon Mark is a, a mystic sign that appears on your skin, mm-hmm. and it's a, it's a source of magical power, and it gives you the ability to perform certain tasks. Mm-hmm. Um, it's all um, down to the world of Eberron. Yes. Um, and each mark is kind of related to a specific bloodline. Ah. So these families sort of uh, have these bloodlines and they form all these houses. I'm not a, I'm not a big expert on Eberron by any means. No. I, um, you can uh, you can get the PDF from Wizard's site. It's about uh, eight pages long, I think. It's also material that appeared in Wayfi- Wayfarer's Guide to Eberron. So if you've already ah. got that, it's probably not worth checking this out. But if you haven't got that yet... It's worth taking a taking And this a one's free to get. This is free, yes. Yes, yeah, which is a free. good price. I like it. This is free. Uh, right, what, what we got here? What we got here? We have Gale Force 9 uh, are releasing more accessories for D&D. Okay. There's a whole bunch of unpainted miniatures mm-hmm. uh, for Waterdeep Dragon Heist, mm-hmm. uh, which are hitting hobby stores now and uh, sort of mass market outlets on Tuesday the 18th. When is that? Soon. <laughs> um, so yeah, so you can get uh, uh, Vajra Safar, Manshun, Lerial Silverhand, Black Viper, Mert the Moneylender, Jarlaxle, Orinax. Is that the dragon? Jarlaxle's like Orin- Jarlaxle no, is the drow. Orinax, yeah. I meant. Porinax. Uh, Orinax. Orinax, yeah, that. Oh, with an AU. If you have an X in Yeah, Skull Dragon. Yeah. And Xanathar, that's the Beholder. Xanathar! Yeah, so the human sized miniatures, they're going to be $10 each. Xanathar is $20. Ah, yes. And Orinax is... Oh, God, guess. Go on. Oh, $40. 40 What do you reckon, Mac? Uh, I would say $50. How big is it? $90 for Orinax in dragon form. That's not cheap. Do you have a picture? Uh, there's no picture, no. Oh. Well, it's like yeah, you say you have like, a giant dragon. Yeah, it's probably really big compared yeah. to a regular miniature, but for, yeah, still that's for a ninety dollars. You'd hope yeah. so. Yeah, I'm hoping for that's a game. That's Games Workshop regular miniature price. Yeah, you just whack it on the table, saying, "Yes, oh, there's dragon fight." Have you seen the <laughs> uh, the colossal red dragon that they released? Oh, it must be like ten, fifteen years ago, or whatever. But it's mm. sort of you know, it's sort of like twelve inches high. It's, it's massive, great big thing. I've got it upstairs. It's fantastic. Sharon keeps... I keep putting it over there on the windowsill, down there next to the Daleks. Sharon hates it, and she keeps moving it upstairs. (laughs) She keeps coming up and down the stairs. It's fair. It's it's got this fire coming out of its mouth, which she insists looks like puke. Which, I guess, isn't a great look. So so you've got a dragon, like, you know, it's it's had a couple of bevies, and now it's, like, going... And calling it the god of Chunda all over the world. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah, <laughs> I can see why she might not be so keen, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> um, so also there's a, a DM screen, $15, uh, specially created for the adventure. It fleshes out Waterdeep, a chart for items found while pickpocketing, a list of sensory details for various districts, including sounds and smells. <laughs> see, I reckon they've missed a trick there. They should do like those scratch and sniff things. Scratch and sniff, yeah. 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 yeah okay, that's everyone exactly can't have a sniff thinking. of this. Oh, no, why would you do that? Mm. Oh, well, if you're going to go to the tannery district, that's on you. Mm. <laughs> this is the smell of a rotting corpse. Mm. Um, there's yeah. also two large vital maps of Waterdeep. Much nice. like the ones from the book. Uh, well, there's one's a 20 by 40 inch map for $30. Yeah. The other is a map set, which is uh, seven different maps, mm. each of them a different district. Mm-hmm. Does it say who made them? Uh, yeah, this is Gale Force 9. 
Mm. Uh, I'm curious of the actual artist though that uh, made the maps. Because I know that Mike Schley does a lot of the maps for Wizards of the Coast, so I'm curious if they if they got him or not. I mean, certainly the ones. From, I guess what they're doing is they're producing vinyl maps, so it's a lot easier to uh, write on them. It right. does not say no. But I am going to guess because mm-hmm. looking at it, it's the same as the map in the book. Interior cartographer Jason poster map. Jason Engel. Jason Engel. Okay. Yeah. Shall we move on from D and D? Okay. To Thanks. a mildly different flavor of D and D. I, I can't help but notice that I can see Pathfinder yes. on your tablet. There is some Pathfinder playtest news. Oh, Pathfinder PF2. Uh, have you been following that? I haven't. I don't know like it, what changes they're going to make for, for second edition, mm. though. I am curious mm. to know. Um, the third uh, playtest adventure is out. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've had The Lost Star and we've had In the Pale Mountain's Shadow. Okay. Um, we now have an adventure for seventh level characters, mm-hmm. uh, and this one is called Affair at Somberfell Hall. Affair at Somberfell Hall. Affair. affair. Not affair, but affair. Um, yeah, so uh, the latest Pathfinder Places update, it removes, uh, you probably need to know the sort of rules in a bit more detail to follow this, but I'm sure some people listening do, uh, removes the signature skills restriction entirely, and uh, it makes changes to pretty much the whole skill system to remove it. Your editor Daryl here, haunting the podcast with this little note. Signature skills was a new mechanic where you picked skills at character creation that you could upgrade faster and further than other skills, and it served as prerequisites for some feats and other abilities. However, it also limited advancement to all other skills at higher levels, so by the time you get to about 7th level, you'd be locked out of increasing any of your other skills, and would be stuck with uh, whatever you picked when you created the character. This rule has been removed and the skill system adjusted. And if you don't get the haunting joke and the sound effects, you really should follow me on Twitter at abstruse and Russ at Morris, and you would have gotten the conversation at the start of this joke. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a big revamp of the death and dying rules and uh, another sort of a lot of small changes. But okay. that's, that's, two, that's two big changes. So you can see that the playtest yeah. is Ooh. actually having an effect. Yeah, absolutely. You know, people, yeah. Are, people are responding to the surveys, reporting on it, and things are getting changed. Uh, sticking on Pathfinder, there mm-hmm. is a new official SRD for both Pathfinder and Starfinder. Oh, nice. Um, so an SRD is a systems reference document. Yes. Uh, essentially, it contains the core rules of the game online. Yes. And it's mainly used as a tool for third-party developers yes. so that they know which um, which rules and which materials they can access and use in their, their products. But also... Those are getting increasingly more important as time goes on. Yes, um, I was going to ask, because obviously you do so much stuff online, yeah. it becomes a really valid choice, maybe even better than having a paper copy in front of you. Well, it's interesting, because it, an SRD's purpose isn't for you to use it to play with online. But it's, it's interesting that they... I, I think probably it's used more for that than it is for sort of third-party development, I would guess. Well, I would say that... Nice have... man who's an expert on, on doing this sort of thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, we have we have a um, a moderator for our channel. Ooh, okay. That's Kugio has put together a basically different commands in our chat when we do mm-hmm. do shows to actually reference the SRD, mm-hmm. so people yeah. can do exclamation point what spell and then like the name of the spell and it will okay. paste the spell yeah. into the chat for people that don't know. So if people don't have a book, 
you know, they can get the SRD information quickly. And the channel is sort of like the sort of almost the chat room area where you play. Yeah, it's all. a chat room. Yeah, yeah. It's it's going on live during the stream. Okay. And so these mods have created things that let you quick reference the spells and so forth. Yep. Rules that you need to do. You just have to type it Absolutely. in. Absolutely. And that's that's largely due to the moderators that you that are working to support it. Well, that's fantastic. Yeah, and, yeah. and the SRD. I mean, mm. uh, the SRD is that, mm. you know, the document that they're willing to, I guess, put out there with the rules. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's that's a big deal. Well, it certainly sounds Those like Those are going to get more and more important. Yeah. It'd be a lot easier to look rules up then, wouldn't it? <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's interesting. SRDs, like, well, the first SRD was the D&D 3rd &D edition one, which was yes. came out in, what, 2000, 2001, whenever, back so, when the Open Gaming License launched. Yeah, the OJ was huge, And then you yeah. had the whole big D20 boom, where, uh -huh. well, I wouldn't say thousands, but definitely hundreds of companies were uh -huh. producing D20 products just using the Open Game Licenses and the 3.x SRD. Yes. Um, of course, Pathfinder has one. Fate has one. Uh, I have one. For what's new? Yeah. They're like... 13th phase. Yeah, loads loads and loads of games have SRDs now. D&D &D 5th edition obviously has one. Um, yeah. You know, they're a, they're a really, really common sort of web tool there. And they really are just, you know, so vital to the whole uh, sort of third party oh, yeah, um, yeah. development scene. Absolutely. Very important. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, so this particular SRD, which is Pathfinder and Starfinder, yeah. um, can be found at uh, Archives of Nethys. Archives and Yeah, Nethys. which is a website that uh, Paizo has partnered with to sort of host these SRDs. I'll put a link in the show notes so, so people can find them. But uh, yeah, that is now the uh, official home Ooh. of uh, the Pathfinder SRD. Yeah. Uh, any idea when the Pathfinder playtest will be finished? Uh, sometime next year. Oh, okay. Next year. okay. I mean, the actual, the actual book comes out at Gen Con next year. Fantastic. So presumably they'll finish the playtest, what, sort of March-ish maybe, and then... <laughs> They're only a couple of months, a months lead time. Yeah. Okay. Any uh, guess? Any other news that's uh, come up? Um, I think that's most of the news. And uh, Daryl has something here about Fortnite. Oh yes, yes. That's. Um, I think this is that actual computer games, or is that? Well, you see, online role Well, as you know, Fortnite is a computer game. Mm -hmm. But um, there was a there's a, an announcement from um, Hasbro and Epic Games mm -hmm. about a licensing agreement for Fortnite. Uh, which references? Oh God. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure this is actually RPGs, but it says uh, so. This is what it says. No, just one I, line I know, I know what Fortnite is. Mm. I mean, Fortnite is a battle royale yeah, game, yeah, yeah. basically. But, um, that's yeah. This this exactly. line is buried in the announcement, so it's just a, it's just one line, and it says the battle continues to build with an epic lineup of additional licensed games, role play, and nerf Fortnite glasses and accessories debuting in 2019. Wow. Now, I think role play in that context just means kids dressing up. I don't so. think that means role playing games. I mean, Daryl's kind of included that in the RPG news. So maybe, maybe I don't know. I, I'm thinking that's I reckon you know Toys R Us style role play rather than yeah. tabletop RPG style role play. I, I I would be interested to see how it would work, but just on the face of it, a battle royale where it's all against all, last man standing sort of thing. Uh, I find it hard to think how a traditionally cooperatively based game would make that transition well you know it's really interesting that you bring that up because mm -hmm. uh mike krahulik who is one of the guys that does uh, penny arcade yeah, yeah, yeah. does acquisitions incorporated that he actually ran a battle royale acquisitions incorporated game in character yeah, yeah. it was very very funny 
Um, and he created, he sort of created his own mechanics for it. Really? He created, uh, he put it, he made some cards and loot and stuff like that. And he made people make rolls to see like perception oh, okay. checks and things. And, yeah. and all the while on the big screen for the crowd, the, the circle is constantly shrinking. And he says, don't worry about that. Don't worry about that the whole time that the game is going on. And uh, <laughs> if you've ever played one of those games before, you know that you absolutely have to worry about that. That is important. And it was it was very funny. So uh, I wonder if those if Hasbro and Fortnite saw something in their actual show that they had to mm -hmm. bring about this interest. I'm curious. Um, that is it for the news. Yes, we are done for the you, news. You've had all the role playing game news, as yes. promised. Are you are you familiar with our favorite game in all the world, Wack? Uh, no. Right, you so it works give like him this. the full title of it. it. It works like this. I give you the name of a Kickstarter yes. and nothing else, just its name. You then have to guess what that Kickstarter is. Then I give you a arbitrary yet very, very scientifically calculated number of points based on how accurate you are. He says okay. it's spreadsheets. I <laughs> so it's think Kickstarter, I whose line is it anyway? Oh, uh, yeah. Precisely, there you go. That's a much better title so, than the one we have. Okay, yeah. then. So, we are going to play our favourite game in all the world. Guess the Kickstarter and being told just the name. Fantastic. Are you Love ready? It. I was born ready. Let's do are it. Are you going to score better than you did last week? Uh, probably, but probably not as well as the week before. Yeah. Um, listeners, might be interesting to know that I appeared on the Shane Plays podcast. Oh, yeah. um, I, we recorded it on Saturday night and I think mm. it goes out next weekend. Mm. Uh, but he forced me to play this game just <laughs> to find out what it feels like. Uh, so now, now I know just how horrible and horrible... It's a great game, I love it. Right, anyway, so number one, are you ready? Yes. Sir. Okay, what is, yes. what is the North Sea Epilogues? Ooh, that's really interesting. So, North Sea for the geographically challenged is um, large body of water just to the west of Scandinavia. Um, You're correct, but you get no points. And for to that. the north of UK. Yeah, I know, but I'm just like setting the scene, man. Setting the scene. Right. Buy myself time to This think. is the flavor text. <laughs> exactly, man. Fluff. Role playing games wouldn't be as exciting without it. So, North Sea epilogues. Hmm. So, it sounds like there's been something exciting happening in the North Sea. Is it an exciting game? where you role-play oil men from Aberdeen and that sort of point, exploring what you do with these all these deserted oil rigs and decommissioned ones that have been like left uh, floating in the North Sea. No, it is not. Oh. You score uh, two points uh, out of 12 for that. Oh, fantastic. Just for recognising what the North Sea was. Woo <laughs> um, so this is Vikings. Uh, okay. Vikings, uh, after raiding and exploring the North Sea yes. uh, with the acclaimed board game series, the time has come to journey deeper into the world as a Viking warrior in the North Sea Epilogues role-playing game. So this is an RPG which is a spin-off of... Yeah, I've got a picture of it here, look. Uh, so we've got full-colour, 150-page mm. hardcover rulebook. Uh-huh. Uh, GM screen. Sheets. I like the GM screen. It's got a yeah, decent yeah. shield wall on it. Yeah. If you, so, wanna, if you want to be a Viking, this is the game for you. So, 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 so basically, you've played the board game, now played the RPG, and the two are supposed to be related in some way. Uh, yes. I'm not familiar with the board game, to be fair, but uh, uh, it says it says here um, while you won't be fighting ice giants and other mythological creatures, your characters will probably believe in such beings. Hmm. 
Okay. Time. Yeah. Anyway, two points. I'm sure. I'm sure it'll be amazing. It's like play this game. You don't have to fight ice giants. All right. Okay. Two points out of twelve. So, whack. Mm-hmm. You want to try one? Oh, you're up. You're up. Come on. You can do it. Ooh, oh, we sure. Believe in you. Sure. Yeah. All right. We're Ooh. breaking format. I thought he was doing two. Well, I, thought but I guess could, I'll we, chime in next. We, we can alternate. That's fine. We can alternate. No, it's fine, <laughs> Russ. We'll just go now. <laughs> I'm just going to find the hardest one I can now, Whack. Just for... <laughs> Excellent. Let's do this. Oh, he's saving his hardest for you. Um, it looks in, my friend. This might not be as hard as I'd like, but it's quite interesting, so we'll go with this one. Time okay, Whack. Tape. <laughs> Sorry. There you go. <laughs> what is the Rockopolis RPG? The Rockopolis RPG is... Rockopolis. R-O-C-K-O-P. Rockopolis. So that sounds... Like Metropolis, but rockier. Yeah, that sounds like um, the. It sounds like some sort of. This has to be with rock stars. This has to be like a rock star based RPG where you can probably determine things like what genre of rock star you want to become. Uh, that might be like where the classes are, what kind of rock star. Like they probably have like hair metal and you know like the, the, the death exactly. metal and those kinds Ooh. of things yeah yeah absolutely and yeah. uh i, I feel like you can say that whack is better at this game than you are peter oh certainly this this is this is feeling like a, a thing where you can get groupies and um i feel like this is a this is a uh your your costume is obviously very important. How long a uh, how long of a riff you can have uh, whenever you're performing an action? Maybe something along those lines. I, I just cut once he said you've done well because otherwise you just go go off and he's like starts deducting points according to his entirely reasonable and fair spreadsheet. Entirely reasonable. <laughs> okay, so whack, you are entirely correct. Hey. Uh, you, get, you get a million points out of ten. Wow. Which puts you how many points ahead of Peter? Ooh. 999,998 points ahead of you. Uh, Rockopolis is an awesome role-playing game where the stage is your dungeon. You will face rival bands instead of goblins and trolls. Your instruments, voice, and stage appearance will be your weapons. I think that's a trick miss there. You should be facing rival bands consisting of Mm. goblins and trolls. I'd love to hear (laughs) that. Troll music, it's got rocks in. Yeah. Well, I think I think that you're you're actually uh, making an assumption that trolls and goblins could not make a rock band, which is just poor on on your on your thinking there. I know, shocking, shocking. Uh, but but it did say that you wouldn't be facing goblins and trolls, but instead of the musicians, I'm like, yeah, we should go for both. Yeah. There's no there's no need. You don't to know they could be dressing up. They have costumes too. Exactly. How exciting. Hmm. But, then, but that'd be awful, though. It'd be like Greenface or something. Anyway, uh, moving on. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, no, it's terrible. <laughs> All right, Peter. Yes. All right, this one. Go on. Dystopia Rising. Dystopia Rising. Uh, oh, well, Dystopia Rising colon evolution. More specifically. <laughs> At this point, gentle reader, let's know we'll, we'll have a five-minute... Uh, wait for Whack to like uh, fall off his chair laughing break, <laughs> which I think is reasonable. He's easily entertained. He is easily entertained. <laughs> and isn't that isn't that isn't that just a virtue in more of our listeners? I think. I guess. Go um, on. Go yeah, on. dystopia rising. Okay, dystopia rising. You can do this. Colon evolution. Colon evolution. Colon evolution. I'm thinking it is a sequel of some description. May I clarify to- that 
The colon is a colon, not the word colon. <laughs> <laughs> this is not a game about digestive systems. What an affair. <laughs> you may think this is a I think I, I think it was only fair that I clarified that, just in case. Uh, I, I appreciate the clarity. I do actually like the idea of the game colon evolution. <laughs> I, I just like to point out this is my That's judgment. what made me laugh. I was assuming it was that. Just so you're aware, this is my judgmental face. This isn't my judgmental face, this is my disappointed face. <laughs> anyway. I'm not angry, to... I'm just disappointed. There you go. There you got it. <laughs> go on, what is it? Uh, so Dystopia Evolution, it is a sequel to the original... Uh, Dystopia Rising, Dystopia Rising Colon Evolution is a sequel to Dystopia Rising, and it's all about the collapse of world order. The cent- real, the center cannot hold the whirling gyre of chaos. You've got uh, your crash into uh, dystopia, and then it's like following this into how it rises, and you start forming a new society. And we've got evolution. So I'm guessing this is the expansion book, which includes like new evolved races maybe getting new more magic or um, exciting new technologies and so forth so yeah that's what i reckon not bad not bad i will give you 999,997 points for that yes back in the game (laughs) which puts you exactly one point behind wag really (laughs) coincidentally um, so it's the latest edition of this the uh, dystopia rising tabletop rpg as you Uh correctly um Observed, um, which is apparently it says very popular on the live action circuit. Have you heard of it, Wack? The live action no, circuit? No, I haven't. Okay. Not at all. It's an, Onyx, it's an Onyx Path game. Oh, okay. uh, D10 dice ball game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, you play as a survivor in the uh, post apocalypse. Uh, there are rules for creating characters for up to 24 different strains, which, yeah. are, which are variations on humanity who survived the fall. Interesting. Um, when I heard the name, I had immediately associated it with a sort of pandemic kind of vibe. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's interesting. Uh, yeah, I think they've... this is. Yeah, it says uh, nuclear radiation and mm-hmm. undead is the is the kind of theme here. Ah, uh, at least you at least you don't have any problem seeing the zombies when they come through at night. They'll be glowing in the dark. Yeah, that helps, I guess. Nuclear powered skeletons. Nuclear annihilation and zombies. Well, I suppose it's not proper annihilation if you've still got zombies. No. Mm. A bit half-hearted, really, if you ask me. Yeah. I wonder if they're faster since they're nuclear-powered. Ooh. Well, they just keep going longer. Yeah. What are, you, are you a fan of the fast zombie or the slow zombie? Uh, I'm a fan of no zombies. Oh, good. I hate good. zombies. Good. I hate zombies, <laughs> too. I am I so sick. Beyond... I am so sick of zombies. Hey, you leave the vitally it's, challenged out I don't this. understand why they're so popular. It, no. It's beyond overdone, and I feel like it's the same thing yes. every single Thank time. You. Thank you. I'm not alone in this. <laughs> Thank I, you. I, I did recently read The Girl with All the Gifts, which is probably one of the more interesting takes on zombies that I've seen. Okay. Yeah. Um, and they are both fast and sometimes intelligent. Yeah. Okay. For reasons. This is a face of someone who doesn't care. By Jove, I think he's right. That is also the face of someone who doesn't care. <laughs> You've got the wrong audience here. Oh, Carrie, great book. Right, last one. Last yes. one. And this is one for Whack. Wait, don't Whack, know. you only need to score two points That's... in order to win. Uh, what is, what is, what is Jungle Tomb of the Mummy Bride? Jungle Tomb of the Mummy hmm. Bride is uh, obviously a um, a very campy look 
at, uh, I would say, the sort of old, like, 1950s, 1960s uh, mummy action sort of uh, role-playing game. They are uh, sort of taking a very adventure kind of approach to role-playing where um, you probably do some tomb robbing and such and um, you are being chased by some sort of uh, ancient mummy curse thing. Well, I am going to give you three points out of three for that. It's a fifth edition adventure. Ooh. Character levels five to seven. Old school, grindhouse style combination of classic role-playing adventures and devilishly designed dungeons cram-packed with B-movie goodness to challenge even the most seasoned of adventurers. It's basically exactly what you said, Wack. Vintage? It, it, uh, I mean, it feels like a hot take on Tomb of Annihilation. Mm. I mean, that's kind of what it's what it's feeling More like, Egyptian just with a mummy. Fiend, maybe. Yeah. Unless it's South American yep. themed. Is it South American themed? Uh, I don't know. I just scrolled away from it. Well, it did say the jungle tomb. <gasps> oh, I did miss that. So, yes. That won't be Egyptian then. Okay. Uh-huh. So, I think I can officially declare Wack the winner of hey, our favorite game. That. Hooray! Bravo, bro. Uh, I look forward to having you on again for a rematch. How how do you feel about that, Peter? Same as I always feel. (laughs) Excited to have been here. (laughs) All right. Greetings, Malak here, the star of, yes, yes, one of the stars of the Perturbed Dragon. You there, start playing. I suppose that will do. Oh, listen, poor fools, to the tale of my fight. Against small-minded jolts who rose against me one night. Against them I stood to defend my rights. And I fought to the end with all of my might. You must choose your side for the edition war. But make sure it's mine Or pain will be yours I'm telling you fools The new is supreme The old is the past It's just a bad dream Against you I stand As I forge my regime while your pitiful cries rage against the machine. The game that you choose is serious business. But make the wrong choice, there can be no forgiveness. You must choose your side in the edition war. But if it's not mine, then I'll give you what for. Don't count, your edition is lame. You must 
Okay, so we are here now. We're going to do our uh, topic of the week, which is yeah. all about live streaming. Live stream. Live streaming being Fantastic. when a, uh, a group of role-playing gamers, um, mm-hmm. often D&D players, yes. will, uh, will play a game over the internet um, using a variety of tools. And we have, uh, we have our special guest, Wax Steven here, who is a seasoned uh, live streamer. Uh, it's more than that, Russ. How, how, He's a professional. A professional season live streamer. How many? How many different game systems have you uh, have you live streamed now, Wack? A lot. Um, I know you've done D anD. I know you've done what's old is new. Uh, okay, so Pathfinder, D anD. D. What's old is new, specifically NEW and OLD. Mm-hmm. Soon to be Judge Red. Apocalypse World. Um, Harry uh, Dresden. Dresden uh, Files. Masks. I've done the Dresden Files, mm. yes. Uh, so Fate, that's Fate mm-hmm. for, oh God, what was the cyberpunk one that I just did? Um, Shadowrun? No. I've done Shadowrun, though. That's okay. another one. Yeah. I've done a Dungeon World hack of Shadowrun. Ooh, nice. Which was great. And, uh, oh God, The Sprawl. The All Sprawl. Ah, right. oh, yes. Yeah. How do, you, how do you go about doing that? It's only recently happened to me that I have sort of become a professional DM. Um, I've only been role playing for about five years, uh, believe it or not. But in those five years, I've accumulated about seventy five hundred hours, according to Roll Twenty. Seventy five hundred um, hours. Get in. Yeah, that's seven thousand five hundred hours. Uh, is that how you got your start then on Roll Twenty? Uh, it is. I, I was a broadcaster for uh, a few years back in the day, uh, about two thousand three to. 2006 or so, I was a broadcaster covering esports. Um, oh, yes, things uh, like World of, uh, not World of Warcraft, uh, StarCraft, that sort of jazz. StarCraft and Warcraft, oh. those were kind of my games. Then I kind of fell out of it. About 2010, I started up a show with a guy named DJ Wheat. Uh, right. He's a pretty famous Twitch guy, been my friend for a long time. And we did a we did a StarCraft two show for a while, Ooh. and we did that for a few years. I eventually started to watch some role playing content online. Yeah, and I'd always had like a sort of a certain a stereotype opinion. Yeah, a stereotype. A negative uh, stereotype. Is yeah, that, it's is a that, negative. I'm getting stereotype. that sort of vibe. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, are we, are we, was, are we talking a, basements here? Is this what we're? Yeah, like uh, it, 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 I guess it was that, and it's hilarious because it's not like I wasn't a nerd before. You know, this the stereotype that's associated with role playing. So it was just funny. I don't know why I never did it because it's got all of the things that I love to do. It makes no sense. 
it was just a lack of, of information and education on the thing. So I, I watched it and I was like, I can't believe I've never done this before. This is silly. This is all of the things that I like to do. For me, it was just a matter of finding people to do it with. And Roll20 gave me an opportunity to do that. Your show might have been the first one I really started following ever. Mm-hmm. Um, before that, it was, you know, I'd heard of Critical Role, but uh, I hadn't really spent much time watching it. Because, you know, it's like four hours, isn't it? You've got to find four hours to sit and watch it. Whereas mm. It's a lot different when you're playing for four hours than when you're watching for sure, four yeah, hours. Of course, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. When you're playing, time just goes bam, bam, bam yeah, away. Yeah. But I imagine sitting there watching it, it could go on for quite a long time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, I discovered the way for me to sort of consume this stuff was audio only. So yes. you put it on a podcast and then when I'm walking the dog or when I'm, you know, driving, whatever, yep, you can yep. just stick it on and you can be doing something else. Whereas for a video, you have to, you know, you have to pay attention, don't you? Yeah. I mean, um, are there any podcasts or um, series that you follow or is your time just taking up with producing it? Um, a lot of my time is taken up producing shows, but I do try to catch Critical Role pretty much every week. It's usually half of an episode live and then I try and catch the rest when they upload it to YouTube or something. Um, as far as podcasts go, I think most of the time when I'm listening to things on my phone, it's usually an audiobook. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Audiobook's amazing. Yeah. I always find, though, when I get an audiobook, because I listen to, I reckon, probably a dozen podcasts in total. Mm-hmm. Loads of them. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm quite into podcasts, but um, he's super ma- into mainly podcasts. not RPG ones, to be fair. It's all sorts of stuff. But um, yeah. um, I, I, I tend to find you get an audiobook, suddenly that takes sort of 14 to sort of 20 hours out of your week. And oh. then suddenly you're three weeks behind on all of your podcasts. <laughs> so what, what would you say? Because there's all these different systems. Mm-hmm. What, what makes a good system for a live streamer? I think a good system for a live streamer is one that does not require a lot of looking up of rules. I mean, any DM knows you can only get so prepared for something. Mm. I mean, even Chris Perkins doesn't know the the D&D rule books in its mm. entirety. He can't quote you a spell. Mm-hmm. You know, he's looking stuff up all the time and he wrote the system, exactly. you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah. the, the the thing you want to do the least when you're live streaming is have a lot of dead air mm. uh, or just sit there and look up rules. Yeah, there's nothing There's nothing more boring, I think, than just watching someone else read a book. Yeah. yeah. It's a lot different than a tabletop scenario. Mm. You're not feeling that pressure mm. to produce something entertaining. Sure, yeah, yeah. You know, people at the table are munching on snacks. They're just relaxing mm. and, you know, having a good time just playing their mm. characters. When you're doing a show, you're trying to entertain people. Mm. So the less time that you commit to dead air, yeah. basically, mm. the better. So systems that support that are, in my opinion, the best to stream. You know, I've done a lot of these powered by the apocalypse systems in the in the last year or so, and mm. I find that they're really good for streaming in mm. general because mm. they're pretty rules light. Yeah, two and, and, and this edition of D and D, especially, I've heard from a lot of people, is just ideal for live streaming. Yeah, D and D fifth edition, and that's partly because I just know it yeah. so well. Yeah, it's very easy to come up with stuff on the fly. People do bash you as soon as you get a rule wrong. <laughs> there is like a lot of comments where people are like, well, you should have done that. And you don't have time no, no. a lot of times mm. when you're on a show. You just have to keep pushing forward. Mm-hmm. You don't have time to sit there and make sure that your ruling is accurate. Do you, do you tend to find, because uh, when I'm 
running a game. Obviously, it's in a tabletop kind of dining room situation. And the only sort of considerations on my mind are the people sitting around the table. Mm. But for you, presumably, you've got an additional consideration. You've got the audience. Is that more important than the people sitting around the table? Or is that... What's the balance um, there? It's, it's a very difficult balance, honestly. The primary concern is the mm. audience. And it's important, I think, as a as the, the producer and the DM to let the players know that, you know, like they generally are aware that the audience is their primary mm-hmm. concern, but just reinforcing sure. it never hurts, yeah. you know, just to make them feel they are valued as players. And, um, you know, I, I, I always try and go out of my way to make sure that I tell them that they're appreciated for playing uh, in every game. Mm. But yeah, the audience is the primary concern. We're trying to put on a show. We're not playing a private sure. game. Mm. Sure. Presumably at times you have situations where maybe sort of at a tabletop environment, there might be a bit of dead space. People might stop for a bit. You know, you can't you can't do that while people are watching. So if you have sort of techniques that you use to make sure things keep moving, there's always something to watch. First and foremost is, this, is a schedule, mm-hmm. basically. We have a scheduled break time mm-hmm. uh, that everyone's aware of. There are times when, you know, you have emergencies or whatever, you have to go away from the screen, and that stuff happens. There's no real getting around that. But, you know, if you have a scheduled break everybody's aware of, then they can p- sort of plan their time yeah. a little bit, and um, it makes things easier. I think that's the primary one. Other techniques, really, to keep the things moving along is to be cognizant of the time. Um, right, yeah. You know, just being aware of the time. I have... I have a few ways that I do that. First of all, I have a lot of computer monitors, number one. Yes. I have three monitors that I have going all the time. Right. Uh, one of which has my production stuff. It's got my OBS streaming application that's running that shows me what's going on while I'm Sorry, producing. I've, I've heard you say that before, OBS. What's OBS? Uh, it's Open Broadcaster Studio. I can't yeah. remember what the But it's a, it's a, it's a software. Things. It's a streaming software. It's a... It's a streaming software to send the stream to Twitch, right. um, and it, it has my scenes that I use to switch between right. uh, for various sections of the show. Because we have, I have different overlays for stuff, which has like one that has the map mm. in a big area of the screen, so people can see the map that I'm looking at um, with player cameras, and they vary. You know, that depends on what we're trying to do with the production for the show. Um, all shows aren't necessarily produced the same oh absolutely i was about to comment on that in the uh, your shows in particular i've noticed are sort of very well produced i mean for example you're sitting in front of a green screen right now as Mm -hmm. i can see Mm -hmm. a lot of shows don't do anything like that they don't make that much effort or have that much preparation going on i like doing the work sometimes it's it's enjoyable for me it's basically a full-time thing for you now isn't it yeah yeah it's it's a full-time how many how many hours i like you know, how many hours a day do you put into this? Uh, just the prep side of it. I mean, not the uh, not the stream. It really it. depends. Obviously, before any new show that happens, there's a lot. Mm. There's a lot. I mean, I'll give you an example. For the, it, it varies based on the show. Sure. Some oh. shows require more theater of the mind than others. Some require a lot of graphical stuff. For my D and D show that I had, the Seventh Eon, it was all homebrew. Mm. And, you know, we used the supplement that you put out, um, Russ, the Touch of Class. Yeah, yeah. It was very homebrew heavy. I spent 200 plus hours on the map, on the world wow. map for that. Wow, that's like plus, five working weeks more. That's yeah, it was at least 200 hours Ooh. on the world map. Um, that's an immense investment. Are you going to reuse it at any point or? Oh, yeah. 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 Mm. Yep. Um, so how, how would you 
suggest someone broach the what am I trying to say? How would how you get into it? How, how would you get how would you, how would you how would you get started? Is what I was trying to say. Send the greasy yeah, pole. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. So I think I think the thing to to recommend to people that want to, that are interested in starting this number one is to realize you're going to have to do this part time to start. Mm-hmm. You can't just you're not going to start this up and just suddenly start making money doing this. It's not going to happen. Yeah. So recognize that point. You're going to have to do it part time. There's a learning curve, mm-hmm. a big one. You're going to have to realize what's involved in producing a show, okay, and making something that's entertaining. There's a big difference between taking your tabletop game Mm. and putting it online and just hitting record Mm. Mm -hmm. as opposed to creating and producing a high-quality show. For, For a live stream, what's the maximum number of players you'd run for? And conversely, what's the minimum? It depends on the game. Yeah, yeah. It really does. I would I would say for me the very minimum is three. Mm. The favorite number is based on the game. I like five. Okay. Personally, I like five players. Mm-hmm. Primarily because it's an odd number. I like there to be a little bit of contention going on. I like there mm. to be a little bit of instability happening. Um, you know, I think it makes things a little interesting. Not necessarily combative, but mm. There's a little contention when you have uh, an odd number of people mm. together. Yeah, it's pretty much the same as a tabletop, really. That's yeah. that's, that's, that's the yeah. ideal number. Mm. So what, what are you running at the moment, then? Do you want to plug some of your stuff? How many shows? Oh, you just finished a couple, haven't uh, you, as well? So, yeah, there, I just finished a couple. Uh, right now, I'm running two, and a third one was just recently announced. We're uh, mm. I'm running a Masks uh, role-playing game on Fridays at uh, 7 p.m. Eastern U.S. time. We're finding is just absolutely so much fun. Mm. Uh, we're having a ridiculous amount of fun with that system. Um, and then uh, we're doing Warped on Saturdays, uh, which is Russ's horrible mistake. I mean, uh, he sponsors Brilliant. us. Um, sure, sure. <laughs> so, I'm, I'm still listening. So. <laughs> it's uh, yeah. It's, we're we're, we're going to be wrapping up Warped soon. Um, that's going to probably be wrapping by like the end of the month or so. And uh, I just announced a, a show uh, that's going to be on Sundays. Um, that's going to be starting up at the end of September. D and D Fifth Edition. It's called spark of eternity mm-hmm. um and then we've got other stuff in the pipe we've got uh, i've got more stuff on the way it's it's a lot a lot of work a lot of work um yeah. you know but i enjoy it okay why don't we take a quick break and just listen to a quick clip from one of your shows this clip is from the seventh eon uh, one of your D fifth edition shows you can see basically like at the end of the block there's just like a small there's like a small pub Looks like there's a few people sort of milling about. Uh, I'm I'm getting in there. I'm running in there. Okay, you're running as fast as you can. Um, As you do this, an arm comes out from one of the alleyways, and you see like a cloak just kind of like envelop you and just grab you. I'm gonna start screaming. a hand crawling through your mouth. Uh, give me an acrobatics check. Oh no. Okay. Um, yeah, you're trying to like wiggle out, um, but whatever it is, it has your hand, it has your mouth kind of covered, and you're sort of covered by this cloak. You can't see anything. You're just trying to. And uh, you just you hear this. Uh, like sound behind your ears. Just... <laughs> 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 <laugh
Quiet, girl. You don't want to let it know where you are. It's hunting you. I go, I go silent, and I just, like, stand still. You see this shape move past the uh, alley, and it's just like this ball of hair. You can't even really see it. You're just you're in this alley, and it's dark, um, running past this big shape, hairy and gross. Um, and uh, um, yeah, it's it's you just like peek out from like a little bit of the cloak, and um, you see this thing like run past. Shortly after. You hear some screams uh, coming from the end of the alley, or from from down the street. Oh no! Oh no! And uh, meanwhile, back at the library. Hello, your editor Daryl here. As to be expected, there was a lot more to this discussion that could fit in the main episode. Well, it's a good thing we have a Deleted Scenes episode on our Patreon at patreon.com slash morris. If you want to learn more about starting your own live stream, the difference between finding a group and casting an RPG show, how to monetize and create revenue streams, voice acting tips, and a lot more content that just couldn't make it into the main show, the new Deleted Scenes episodes go up the day after the podcast does. Also, you'll get access to all our previous Deleted Scenes episodes, some of which rival the length of a normal episode. In fact, this week's is probably going to be over half an hour long. All that and more is over at patreon.com slash morris. That's M-O-R-R-U-S. And remember, your support makes this show possible. So, uh, the competition last week yes. uh, was... Do you remember? The question was, what is the place where Malak the Maleficent, the uh, well-known, deeply malevolent sorcerer, where does he hold his press jackets? Correct. And the correct answer was the Perturbed Dragon. Yeah, so the uh, prize for this contest was a copy of uh, D&D Waterdeep Dragon Heist, and we have got six entries. Woohoo! D6! We got one from Carl White. He says, Hi guys, for some reason that entirely, entirely escapes me, journalists seem to keep going back to the Perturbed Dragon Tavern to get themselves blasted into ash by malignant narcissist-in-chief and all-round psychotic Malak the Maleficent. I still can't say that word. Maleficent. Please keep the show coming. It's a weekly pleasure. Thanks for listening, Carl. That is correct, Carl. Uh, we have Ian. Ian with no second name. Bum, bum, bum. Just one name. It's like Cher or Madonna. I- Ian just, the Mysterious. Ian. Um, uh, hi, guys. The location is the Perturbed Dragon Tavern, site of the notorious reporter Slaughter. <laughs> I am new Thanks to the podcast and I am enjoying the variety of topics and ongoing machinations of Malak the Maleficent. I've just realised that having this competition means I've got to say Maleficent repeatedly. Just, just call him Malak. You're on first name, so. Malak, yeah. He's disintegrated you at least once. I mean, yeah. If that doesn't form a bond between people, I don't know what does. Okay. We have David Kapper. Thanks for listening, David. Uh, this is truly hilarious. I suspected this would be the Perturbed Dragon Tavern. Keep up the good work, David, from Berlin. Stefan Lurbeck. Hey. Hey, love the podcast. Answer the Perturbed Dragon Tavern. Correct. I like Reef. it. Pithy. Pithy. Uh, Mark Rosenthal. Hey, Thor. hi, Mark. Thor. 
Uh, greetings, Russ and Peter. Madak the Maleficent prefers to give interviews in the perturbed Dragon Tavern. I imagine the staff would prefer it if he went elsewhere. Cleaning up after him is such a chore. All the best. Fantastic. Uh, Andrew Winterburn. Thanks for listening, Andrew. Dear Russ and Peter, tempted by the Waterdeep Dragon Heist Prize which, while clearly not as tempting as Judge Dredd, is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Here goes at identifying where Manak and Maleficent's press junkets take place. I believe they take place at the Perturbed Dragon Tavern. Keep up the great work. Andrew Winterburn, temporary floating off the Great Barrier Reef, like you do. Fantastic. Oh, wow. I, I'm really impressed. That's a, that's a really wide-ranging So is he listening to our podcast while floating off the Great Barrier Reef? Well, like we were saying, it's like Great Barrier Reef, brilliant visuals, not so much for the sound, so yeah. Dodge a great white, uh, see some coral, listen and get all the latest fix of RPG news. Hmm. I must recommend it. I mean, that, that sounds like something you do, right? Oh yeah, absolutely, on my yacht. <laughs> yeah, precisely. Yeah, on well, your yacht. With all that live streaming, all those live streaming riches you've got for him. Well, well that, that's why he's got the green background, because we can't see he's on his yacht. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, just hiding the part of gold. <laughs> <laughs> he takes that down, and it's actually a portal behind him. <laughs> Uh, so the last entry is yeah. Baz Stevens. Uh, Malak runs his press conferences out of the snug in the Perturbed Dragon. It's a snug. Uh, snug's like a little place where you sit with your mates. Yeah. It, I, I'll, I'll put one out next time I'm at the pub. I, I don't yeah. have yeah. a snug. Thanks for listening, Baz. Uh, surely... Need to have a little cutch in the <laughs> snug. <laughs> surely the one thing you <laughs> never want to see perturbed. What's the story there? That's a good question, Baz. Well, the answer to that question is about four or five years ago, Mm. my brother and I decided to make an animated sort of D&D themed show. Mm -hmm. So it was a cartoon. Each episode was about five minutes long. It's online. Mm -hmm. It's on YouTube. And it's even got its own website and stuff. Uh, So we got a bunch of uh, voice actors, mainly from the US, uh, Mm -hmm. and they played this group of friends who they were were, uh, fantasy characters. So Malik Maleficent was one of them. There was Eric the Knight. Um, there was you know, there's a whole bunch of them, and they were all playing this uh, role playing game in the mm-hmm. Perturbed Dragon Tavern. And the role playing game they were playing was called Real Life, mm. and they'd role play through these things where they had to try and apply for a driving license or go uh. to the supermarket or all <laughs> these kind of weird exotic sort of uh, you know fantasy activities that would never happen in the. Absolutely, totally uh, unrealistic. You uh, see yeah, the size so, of those cues? You just cast Fireball straight to the front. Yeah. So we did, I think it was like six episodes of that. <laughs> Back to the competition. Yeah. Back to the competition. Well, we asked, I answered. Indeed. Uh, uh, question asked and answered. I hope you're happy, Baz. Anyway, anyway, thanks for listening. He says, uh, great cast, guys. Thanks Aww. for doing it. Baz Stevens of the uh, Smart Party Podcast, which I am appearing on on uh tuesday the 18th of september at 8 30 p.m which That's is tomorrow. tomorrow or yesterday depending on when you're listening to this yeah. or maybe sometime quite considerably in the past if you're catching up on our archived episodes right in which case, thanks again for listening so yeah. do you want to roll a d6 to see who won uh in fact what i thought i'd do is has we got wax even here and he's probably got some sort of polyhedra or like have you got Dice? What you... <laughs> hey, he's got proper hardcore dice. Right. Good man. So counting from Baz backwards, we're going to roll a D6, Bracken. Which color dice? What do we I got? Roll? What do we got? I have black, I have Jim. blue, green, Red. orange, purple, white, black, pink. 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 It has to be pink. Absolutely. We need pinkest dice. Okay, I have two different <laughs> oh, <pinks. laughs> Hot pink. The hottest pink you have. I there. will. <laughs> the hottest pink I've got. Okay. There got it. Go. 
four. For that is Stefan. Stefan Lerbeck is okay. the winner of the competition this week. So, uh, Stefan, email me at morrispodcast at gmail.com and give me your address and I will get that book straight out to you. Uh, congratulations. Oh, okay. Uh, Congratulations. Congratulations. Healthy celebrations. I'm yeah. Sure. Okay, and I think that's probably it for this week. Absolutely. So, um, yes, thank you so much for coming on, Mike. Yes. It was a blast. Thank you for having yeah. me. That is it. Thank you, everybody, for listening this week. Yes. Uh, we do our best to try and entertain you. We're not very good at it, but, you know, we uh, struggle by. I like to think there might be a slight increment of noise as opposed to the usual decrement, so I think it's good. Uh, so uh, it is goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me as well. Uh, goodbye. Mmm, that was the best podcast yet. No, I'm just joking. It was awful. The dog that was howling outside my bedroom window last night would have done a better job. I'm considering swapping Russ and Peter's heads just to see what will happen. Do let me know next week if you notice any difference.